Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Monster, Dear Monster, a multimedia monster podcast. I'm your host for this evening, Cameron, and I'm joined, as always, by my steadfast, faithful companions, Dave and Leonard. Dave, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. I'm looking, looking forward to this one. It's been it's been a week mm. of pre- preparations of one sort or another. Yep, uh, and Leonard, how are you holding up? Uh, as as a gigantic, um, cartoonishly massive uh, introvert, uh, I have uh, been in better spirits uh, for, <laughs> than than almost anybody else. I I I don't need to leave the house. I mm. I, I I I my my new workspace is directly next to my TV to the point that I turn 90 degrees and then I can play video games. I, I, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm doing yeah. just fine. Yeah, I, I got to agree with that, honestly. It's the first time in my life I'm being paid to stay home, and it was, it was a good experience. Um, unfortunately, the rest of my time off is unpaid because it's school holidays, but uh, you win some, you lose some. I still don't have to leave the house except for groceries, so I'll take it. Right. Um, yeah. So I hope all of our listeners are also staying safe, hopefully staying inside, unless, of course, you are an essential worker, such as the uh, the Baskin and Robbins mascot. Um, <laughs> God, I, I saw an image of that going around some guy in a mascot outfit going, why am I essential? Uh, and I don't know the answer to that. I'm sorry, whoever you are. Um, but yes, everyone stay safe, stay healthy, stay inside, and stay listening. Because what else are you going to do with your time but listen to us three guys talk about your favorite subject, Slavic Folkloric Creature of the Week. No, that's Brooklyn Nine-Nine. We are doing our usual. Um, We've got our big list of Eastern European folk creatures. Uh, We are going to pick one apiece and pick someone to read them out for us. uh, And we'll see what we end up with. Uh, So I guess I'll put mine out there first. Dave, I would love for you to tell me about the Bozalosk. I think I'm saying that right. Or Bozalosk. I see it now. I will regard us with the tale of the Bozalosk. Also transliterated as Bozalosk or Bozalosk is a messenger of mm. death in the Wendish mythology. The name was translated in German ethnographic sources as Gutzklag, God's Lament. Wow, okay. I don't know why I said God's like that. That just happened. Um, mm. An 1886 article, Das Schwiewaldhaus, uh, by W.V. Schulenberg, uh, associates it with the Elderbush and describes it as a woman dressed in white with long braided hair and red eyes. And then there's a large thing that I'll skip. Um, <laughs> Birin Bonaja describes it as a little woman with long hair who cries under the wid- window of someone who is about to die. A parallel uh. creature is Bush Sidlisch, uh described as a crying child in child in white clothes. Uh, the name is of unclear etymology. Apparent association with the word translated as seat is uh, whatever. Etymology, hmm. well, well, while there is an agreement that Boschlosk means God's lament, 
The opinions about the etymology differ in some opinions. It is the contraction of Bosch Salos, God's pity. Another opinion is that the word Golsh is the meaning of lament. Um, no, in the meaning of lament, it can be found in manuscripts of as early as the 17th century, and the attribute Bosch, uh, gods, was added in folklore later, similarly, similarly to the poetic usages of God's wind, God's sun, etc. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, it's basically the banshee, but with a cooler name. And doesn't scream uh, and just tells you you're going to die because she's crying. Yeah. Yeah, cries under your window instead of screaming at you, which I feel is a nicer, calmer form of her doing it. Yeah. Mm. Um, right. Yeah. Well, I will I will read the pop-up of Elderbush. Sambucus is a genus okay. of flowering plants in the family Adoxicae or something. The various species of commonly as elder or elderberry. Mm. And someone somewhere smells of elderberries. The genus was <laughs> formerly placed in the honeysuckle family Capriforlisae, but was reclassified as the other one due to genetic and morphological comparisons. Plants in the genus, blah, 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 blah. I just wanted to say someone smells of elderberries. Yeah. Um, yes. So... Leonard, yes. rega regardless about the bloods. Ooh. <laughs> uh, the the blood? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, um, well, <clears throat> blood, Russian, one of the Slavic fairies in Slavic mythology is an evil deity that causes distortion and leads a person aimlessly around and round. The term also refers to illicit fornication, <laughs> the desire for which Slavic clerics claim come from the devil. Huh. Interesting. That's strangely so, relevant. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> So it's either a fairy that leads you in circles when you're traveling, or you're going off for premarital sex. Yes. <laughs> With the devil. <laughs> With the devil. Or from well, technically oh, it's from the, the devil, de so it's just devil-inspired. Right, yeah. de de devil's de hooking you up. De devil avatar. It's a de <laughs> devil wingman. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, and Leonard, what do I get to speak on? Uh, let's see. Uh, Cameron, can you tell us about the Perchata? Let's see, P for the Perchata? There we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what did you call it, Leonard? I called it the Perchata. Perchata. <laughs> wow, that, that's, uh, that's a woodcut of a looker. I'll give them that. Um, <laughs> Perchata or Berta, English version. Bertha, also commonly known as Percht and other variations, was once known as a goddess in Alpine paganism in the Upper German and Austrian regions of the Alps. Her name may mean the Bright One from the Old High German Berat or Beret, and is probably related to the name Berchtentag, meaning the Feast of the Epiphany. Eugen Moch provides an alternative etymology, attributing the origin of the name Perchta to the Old High German verb Pergan, meaning hidden or covered. 
Herta is often identified as stemming from the same Germanic goddess as Holder and other female f- figures of German fro- folklore. According to Jake Grimm and Lotta Motz, Herta is Holder's southern cousin or equivalent, as they both share the role of guardian of the beasts and appear during the 12 days of Christmas when they oversee spinning. <laughs> okay. Uh, Grimm says Pachter was known precisely in those upper German regions where Holder leaves off, in Swabia, in Alsace, in Switzerland, in Bavaria, and Austria. According to Erika Tim, Pachter emerged from an amalgamation of Germanic and pre-Germanic, probably Celtic, traditions of the Alpine regions after the migration period in the early Middle Ages. Um, I'm not going to go through all, the, all of her various names, because there's a lot of those. Uh, we'll go straight to the description. Uh, in some descriptions, Pachter has two forms. She may appear either as beautiful and white as snow, like her name, or as elderly and haggard. In many old descriptions, Pachter had one large foot, sometimes called a goose foot or swan foot. Okay. Uh, Grimm thought the strange foot symbolized her being a higher being who could shapeshift to animal form. Uh, wait. Is this... Is this Bigfoot? This is Bigfoot. <laughs> German <laughs> goddess. <laughs> this is Frau Perkta, and we've... Yeah. I, I, I feel if we reached back a little to the Krampus tales, uh, we would have also mm. covered uh, Frau yes. Perkta slightly. <laughs> yes. not, not in this large of a um, mm. article. Mm. Yes. Um, Grimm noticed that Bertha with a strange foot uh, exists in many languages, Middle German, Latin, Italian, etc., it is apparently a swan maiden's foot, which is a mark of her higher nature she cannot lay aside, and at the same time, the spinning woman's splay foot that worked the treadle. She has one really big foot that's really good at uh, working the pedal to make the uh, this machine doing the uh, spinning of wool go fast. Uh, I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I just need to stop for a second. Yeah. Grimm, Grimm noted that the legend of Bertha with the big foot is a reoccurring thing. Yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. The, look, at all the, look at all the <laughs> translations. Middle German, Bertha mit dem Fuss. So that's Bertha with the foot. Yeah. Bertha, yep. Bertha, all grand Piet. Bertha with the big foot. Yep. Bertha cum magno Bertha cum magno <laughs> Also big foot. Yeah. <laughs> Bertha da grand pied. <laughs> Thanks. It's really good in Latin, actually. <laughs> yeah, it does actually. Um, I, 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 I'm. That is, is I somehow missed learning about the apparently very entrenched legend of Bertha with the big foot. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, in the Tyrol, she appears as a little old woman with a very wrinkled face, bright, lively eyes, and a long hooked nose. Her hair is disheveled, her garments tattered and torn. Um, so yeah, she's none of not, none of the other descriptions imply that she doesn't have the big foot in either her beautiful or elderly forms. So it's an old woman with a giant foot or a young woman with a giant foot. Either way, she's she's known around the world. Um, <laughs> Wait, is the is she the inspiration for the old woman who lived in the shoe? Because that would make sense. Oh, because possibly. She's kind of giant. Yeah. Oh, you never know. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll have a look, quick look at traditional narratives. Um, initially, Pechta was the upholder of cultural taboos, such as the prohibition against spinning on holidays. Uh, that's spinning the 
work of producing <laughs> cloth and twine, not just going around in circles. <laughs> nope, I'm going with riding a bike. I'm gonna go going with the, going with the ladder. I'm going mm. with she spins people spin in circles during Christmas. She's like, mm. no. Yeah, no, you're okay. gonna go to the gym and join the spinning class. <laughs> exactly. Um, in the folklore of Bavaria and Austria, Hector was said to roam the countryside at midwinter and to enter homes during the 12 days between Christmas and Epiphany, especially on the 12th night. She would know whether the children and young servants of the household had behaved well and worked hard all year. If they had, they might find a small silver coin the next day in a shoe or pail. If they had not, she would slit their bellies open, remove their stomach and guts, and stuff the hole with straw and pebbles. <laughs> Wow. So if you're very good, you may get a silver dollar. <laughs> if you've been bad, I will murder you. <laughs> yep. That's wow. a fairy tale, all right? Yeah. That's yep. that's yep. the That's not even yeah. the carrot and the stick, really. That's <laughs> No, just the stick. <laughs> uh she was particularly concerned to see that girls had spun the whole of their allotted portion of flax or wool during the year. She would also slit people's bellies open and stuff them with straw if they ate something on the night of her feast day other than the traditional meal of fish and gruel. <laughs> Everyone has to suffer. Everyone has to suffer, says Bertha with the big foot. Plain porridge with chunks of trout mixed in. I had to eat it. Um, you have to eat it. <laughs> God. Did you um, spin your flax? Did you eat your gruel? <laughs> Is this a Jewish grandmother? <laughs> oh, God. Um, the the cult of Perta, which I want to know a lot about all of a sudden, uh, under which followers left food and drink for Frau Perth and her followers in the hope of receiving wealth and abundance, was condemned in Bavaria in the Thesaurus Palperum, 1468, and by Thomas Ebendorfer von Hasselbach in De Decem Preceptis, 1439. And rightly so, they worship a terrible and evil being, apparently. <laughs> um, later canonical and church documents characterize Pacta as synonymous with the other leading female spirits, Holder, Diana, Herodias, Raquela, and Abundia. Um, yeah, I might, might leave that there. She, she's, she's associated with other similar uh, matronly spirits in the, in the generic eastern and middle european area i just it's a it's an old woman or a young one with a big foot who will punish you if you don't do your housework or if you eat the wrong food uh, particularly <laughs> well it looks wow. like in italy um she she calms down a little bit it's not quite as yeah okay yeah deadly Mm, yeah, she uh, she's roughly equivalent to La Befana in Italy, who does uh, visit the children of Italy on the night before the 6th of January to fill their socks with candy if they're well-behaved, or a lump of coal if they're not. That's a little more little more um, modern-day usual fairy tale uh, figure as opposed to the horrors from before. <laughs> I, I had to tone it down for the Italians. It was a little much. They thought it was a little the belly slitting and... and the- they complain it to the Pope. You know how they are. <laughs> oh, Bertha with the Bigfoot. We love you. Thank you for your appearance on our show. 
Oh my goodness. Well, uh, that's been Slavic Folkloric Creatures of the Week. Um, a, a pretty decent crop this time around, honestly. Uh, a couple of short ones and one intense long one there. Um, <laughs> but they're all good. <laughs> uh, that's why I love this. We always find something beautiful, no matter what it is. <laughs> Uh, who was the, who was the, oh, Legends described him as a dragon, but it was really just a guy on a horse yeah, with wings. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, everyone, everyone favored him with that. You know, you don't want to tell him he's not a dragon. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. you don't um, want to tell the murderous warlord that he is, in fact, not a dragon. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, and with that, let us proceed to our regularly scheduled show. Uh, this is Monster, Dear Monster. We discuss uh, mostly movies, but we do all forms of media. Uh, so we are fortunately today talking about both a movie and its inspirational book from which it was adapted. Uh, we are talking about Witchfinder General, the 1968 cult hit historical horror film, basically. Um dealing uh, with witch hunters in the 1600s in Britain during the British Civil War. Or the first British Civil War, I suppose. I'm pretty sure there's at least one or two more of those. Um, they've got a long and storied history. Um, so Leonard and I have watched the film. Dave has made a bold sacrifice and read the book. <laughs> um, by all accounts, it was difficult but necessary work. Um, so yeah, this was directed by Michael Reeves, uh, starring Vincent Price, Ian Ogilvy, Rupert Davies, Wilfred Bramble, Patrick Weimark, Robert Russell, Nicky Henson, Hilary Dwyer, and others, uh, and quite a few uh, important names in there that show up throughout filmic history. Um, and it is essentially the heavily fictionalized account of the murderous witch-hunting exploits of Matthew Hopkins a lawyer who claimed to have been appointed as Witchfinder General by Parliament during the English Civil War. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the basics of it. Um, Leonard, what do you feel about witches? Let's put this out here first. <laughs> what do I feel about witchers? Um, they're gorgeous, and they have witches. Oh, witches. No, uh... witches. Sorry. <laughs> what do I feel about witches? I don't want to be in hotels when they have their conventions, or else they turn me into rats, uh, yeah. or trap me in a painting. Um, mm -hmm. We should actually probably pencil that into the schedule at some point, <laughs> actually, now that I'm talking about it. Um, mm -hmm. Witches are... Uh, I'm... I'm um, Okay, um, give me some hocus pocus, and I'm I'm yeah. I'm real good. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm okay with witches as long as they're not cursing me or placing yeah. spells or yes, stealing body parts. Yeah, That's yeah, from me now, me personally. Yeah, yeah. Now your neighbor Diana, who always puts the music on too loud and leaves her garbage out the front door. Would you consider her a witch? Um, because if you did, we could make this little problem go away. Oh. What I'm getting at is the whole crux of this film is, um, this is an unusual one because per the film, we don't actually have any clear monsters in this monster movie besides the monster that is man. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, this is a really... Uh, I would say a really intense look at the horrible things humans can do to each other under the under the veil, uh, the guise of rooting out 
actual monsters um, when they themselves are the most terrible of things around. Um, oh, where's my little plot synopsis that will help me very much? Um, yes, so this is set in 1645 during the English Civil War. Matthew Hopkins is taking advantage of this general breakdown in social order as Parliament begins uh, fighting against the monarchy um, to essentially do whatever the hell he wants in Eastern England. Um, He has an assistant, John Cern, and they sort of essentially go from village to village, quote-unquote, rooting out witches, by which I mean, if you don't like someone in the village and Matthew Hopkins comes along, you are free to make an accusation. He will torture them and eventually kill them. And then the magistrate will pay him because that's how you get things done in the 1640s. Um, our, I would say our pro, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. okay. So I need to step in. Um, because I, I had, I had a, I had a real journey with this film. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, so this, this movie starts off with, with opening narration, but no text. Mm. Um, and because I watch movies, I've been trained that you kind of can, you know, pay a little attention to the opening narration. Um, uh, mm. but, but without the uh, idea that it is necessary to provide all of the context that you will need for the entire film. Um, mm. so because I didn't really pay that close attention to, um the opening narration like enough to get the gist of it but like not realizing that this is this is the hand wave for everything that uh, that happens to come um mm. i felt like i was going crazy watching this movie <laughs> this movie escalated in ways like the escalation for, from scene to scene in this movie was mm. insane to me because i was just like i don't understand how we got here I don't understand yeah. how how this is okay, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, and so I spent the entire movie like trying to reverse engineer the how did we get here because nothing <laughs> seems this bad if you mm. just look at the scenes, but yeah. like people are losing their mind like mm. crazy, mm. and so I was I I. I haven't been this frustrated watching a movie <laughs> since we watched the Mothman proper- prophecies, but for a completely mm-hmm. different reason, because I was literally like, I don't understand the escalation to how we got here. So none, yeah. none of it makes any sense. And I, 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 I did. I felt like I was taking crazy pills. That's, that was my experience with it and then when I went back and actually listened to that opening narration I was like oh Mm -hmm. this is this is how they provide the context for everything that happens in this movie and it's Mm. only mentioned once at the very (laughs) beginning so yeah yeah um this is a British produced film uh and I I should I'm assuming it was produced within the context of Britain being a place where you learn about the British Civil War in at least a decent amount of depth and so they probably considered that opening narration sufficient enough to get everyone you know on board with oh yeah no I remember this this is what was happening at the time uh whereas for Especially, especially for you, Leonard, uh, coming from an American context, I don't know how much they they teach you over there about the British Civil War. I can tell you from the Australian perspective, I only learned about it because I enjoyed horrible histories. 
<laughs> I literally, I literally did not know that Matthew Hopkins was an actual person until I finished watching the movie and then went to the Wikipedia page and said, mm. oh, this is like a fictionalized historical thing. Oh, so yeah. I guess there's an expectation that I was supposed to know about any of this before I started watching this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it is It is worth your time, perhaps. I, I, I personally enjoyed this movie a decent bit. It is perhaps worth your time if you haven't seen it yet. Um, go read up an, on Oliver Cromwell and the uh, the British Civil War and sort of learn what was going on with all of that and then dive into the movie, the context will definitely help set the scene a lot more and help keep you on track with what's going on. I I, I could not, I did not know who who, who belonged to what faction. Like, mm. I, I was, I was, I was, I fell into myself watching this movie. I, I it was outrageous to me. <laughs> I will probably go back and rewatch it because I walked away from this movie kind of sour with it, even though there were things that I actually really liked just because mm. I spent so much of the hour and a half runtime being absolutely confused by how the escalation of anything worked in this film. <laughs> I will take your frustrations and I will raise them to the level mm. of let's read a 250 page book that covers the years <laughs> 1643, 1644, 1645, 1646, 1647, and does them in like seven or eight chapters per year of events in the life yeah. and times of our beloved. Uh, Witchfinder General mm. and 20 yeah. other characters that you don't care about because they, they're like <laughs> one off and then they might show yeah. up again, but they're still mm. given all their life and times and backstories because, again, the entire book, um, which was written uh, by Ronald Bassett in 1966 and is the direct um, inspiration for the film, is a last year's ending biography um, in the life and times. So it's mm. uh, it's it serves also as a historical document um, to all of the events. There's some some liberties taken taken for uh, ease of use and sensationalism, yeah. I guess, um, kind of trumping mm. up some of the things that happen. But by and large, it was a war history of these few years, and large swaths of the book are like. I, I I don't know, um, Thin Red Line or or mm. Saving Private. It's like a war thing. So yeah, chunks yeah. of it is just you're down in they're not trenches. You're in the field with like pikemen <laughs> and uh, mm. cavalry, and it's just the horrors of war and like what that does to people, and then the ensuing carnage and how that's like raising the countryside and making everyone upset. And upset people have, they like to air their grievances. And when you point a finger and call out a witch, uh, it ends badly for one or several people. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's, that was the experience of trying to get through this book. Because it's just a lot, mm. like, instead of an hour and some change, this was like six hours of reading a thing and going wow people are bad <laughs> like it's mm. bad. <laughs> oh it's something yeah it was something. yeah 
Indeed. Um, so for, uh, for, for as far as the film goes, our protagonist is going to be Richard Marshall, who is a young roundhead, uh, a soldier serving Oliver Cromwell and the parliament in their attempt to seize power from the crown. Um, we, we sort of set the scene with this uh, brief skirmish in the woods between some royalists and his squad of uh, parliamentary soldiers. Um, it's, it's basically a war movie scene, but set in 1645, so they have flintlock pistols and swords instead of uh, ramboing around with AK-47s. Uh, the same, the same general style of stuff, um, and you know he survives, he survives the skirmish. He saves his captain. He gets a couple days leave. What's a young boy to do but ride home to Brandiston in Suffolk? Um, and this is this is also where I feel um, context is important. Uh, Britain is a really small place, and England is an even smaller part of Britain. Um, like when, when you think civil war, you think of a big thing that covers the entire country. And while that was true in this case, compared to the American civil war, which covered, you know, most of North America, this covered most of uh, Great Britain. And thus, you know, if you've got two days leave, you can just ride home and spend most of your two days leave at home. Um, because it's, it'll be an important thing as well. All the movement in this film is limited to a pretty small area. You know, everything's always just just over the hill. You know, there are a few miles that way or a few miles this way. Um, and that's how it was. Uh, Britain at the time was a series of small villages and small towns all sort of interconnected by paths over the hill and paths down the river. Uh, and it is, it is, it was essentially a whole lot of small town um, style thinking yeah. all strung out across the place, which really comes across all this all this witch hunting because you, you know how vindictive and close-minded people in small towns can be imagine them in the 1640s uh when there's a massive war going on i and i just i just need to point something out because because the framing device for this film is 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 the civil war um, and mm. this, the skirmish, this this tiny skirmish at the beginning of the movie is the most you will ever see of the Civil War, mm. which is oh, yeah. also led to like my my dismay at trying to figure out how anything worked because I was just like, it doesn't seem so bad. Like I, I, I yeah. nothing like <laughs> it, everything seems is beautiful and idyllic. It does not look like there is death and chaos around every corner. So mm. like once again, I'm just <laughs> like, it like I don't like is just is everyone just crazy? Like I couldn't wrap <laughs> my head around it because it didn't seem like the the framing device was so bad that this was the that this was the natural result of everyone's reaction to mm. like, which like, it just seemed like, like, I, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Oh, the, the movie does nothing else to underpin the whole civil war setting apart from the intro paragraph and this one scene of a small skirmish. Yeah. Like the, the civil war is happening in the background. We see characters <laughs> after a big battle and like, Oh, you did well in that big battle. Ha But they don't look like they've been fighting. Nope. They look like they're, they're, they are literally sitting around having tea at a table at one point. And like, oh, mm-hmm. you did so well in the battle about 20 minutes ago. Well done. Hurrah. Huzzah. Uh, various British phrases. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> not the case in the book at all. 
Yeah. It, it's yeah. couched so heavily in the problems that the skirmishes are causing and mm. and the like so there'll be a lot of those after battle scenes, but you also get during the battle and you get people fleeing from the battle mm. or injured by the battle. Yeah. Uh th- that that sense of it and then the sense of the people, they are a little bit divorced from it. Because the battles mm. are happening like a field. And then yeah. in the towns, the battles don't it's it's really weird because the country's trying not to like actually attack itself. They're concerned mm. specifically with like dethroning the king. So yeah. they they don't fight like in the t- generally like in the towns. They're no. out in in the fields. The towns are only there to supply like food or leisure or troops. Some people yeah. are being drafted. Yeah. Uh, some people are volunteering because you get a full, you get a, a stipend, you get like a, a, a daily pay, you get food. I mean, mm. those things aren't great, but otherwise they have nothing. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're getting a lot of, um, there's a war going on in Spain at the same time. So mm. people that are um, fleeing. So this part was driving me crazy. If you, mm. uh, are, so if you're fighting, um, there's the parliament and then there's the royalists. And if you're fighting on yes. part of either of those sides and you flee, like mm. in particular, a lot of times it's the royalists that are like, they, they abandon, you know, cause it's framed a certain way. It's in favor of the parliament mm. cause that's who ultimately wins this. But, um, yeah, the, if you, if you're caught fleeing, uh, as a deserter from the royalist camp and you're caught by the parliament, they'll kill you. Mm. Or they'll... Um, so your fate is either you're going to die or they send you uh, as surplus um, to for the fight in, I think it's in Spain. Mm. Uh, and that's if you're a man. There's also women fighting yeah. on, on part of the Bombo sides. And if you're mm. an English woman, you get like cut in the face like as a mark of a mm. traitor to the i don't know whatever uh or um a lot of times the the royalist army was being bolstered by um the uh i want to say it's the celts mm. so if you were a f- you're part of great britain but you're not english um yes. then you're just murdered because yes. you're you're just a heathen and they'll just kill you. Yep. So the the book takes time to like explain that very specifically, and then tell you, and then show you graphically like what happens to people um, that are heretics or traitors. Mm. And it's it was just super weird. It's like, well, if someone's if someone's absconding the battle from the other side, like they could be useful, but no, I just killed them. Like because they're <laughs> they're cowards or whatever. <laughs> like they're, yeah, they're they're, yeah. Al- they're already had they threw they threw in on the wrong cause in the first place. So you can't like mm. accept you can't like allow them to um change their mind. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. There was a I lot mean, of a lot of that. Yeah, it, it was part civil war, part political purge. Honestly, it was so. a huge it was a huge political purge, and it's yeah. religion because there's a lot of um. There's a lot of problem mm. with um, the papal state. So yep. anyone that's Catholic is 
when I could tell, uh, was being like, you either, um, you're not like exiled, but you're like kept away from people, um, mm. or you're just, they find excuses to kill you, uh, because everyone yeah. else is, um, there's there's anabaptist there's calvinist and then there's the um i don't know i can't think of the name of it they're not quakers yes the puritans so the puritans are Mm. the the by and large the large the 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 chunk of the parliamentary forces are puritans Mm. and they're the ones that are upset with the the king charles yeah yeah so there's a liberal there's yeah there's a lot going on (laughs) and the book doesn't um it still is just uh assuming you like know way more about it it's not giving you the full explanation it kind of just doles out over all the the entire Mm. period um what's going on right but you, you don't get like that intro paragraph of like here's the civil mm-hmm. war it's just uh, you're assumed you know about the civil war it's a thing you you should know the the like the kind of the grosser details of it and then we're just mm-hmm. giving you like a s- little snapshots of each year and kind of what happened in the light in the life and times of this man because the entire yeah um, the entire book technically is the ending and uh high point high point uh, of matthew hopkins and his his position it's this is his rise because it covers a span of time it's the rise of him from just a lowly lawyer uh that mm. was has a, had a failing um i don't know what it's whatever your job is Career. yeah <laughs> his his office his law office was like doing uh, very poorly uh so yes. he joined up with the military um to get that food and that steady pay and his mm-hmm. hope was to to use that time to kind of save up some money and then kickstart his business afterwards when he got back from the war yeah um he got injured and sick and then that didn't like work out so well from him for him and um just by virtue of working with another uh one of his unit members that they when they both quit the military um, after the campaign, uh, he decided to, or he, he, he was, he found a, a calling, I guess it's real weird. So he decides mm-hmm. to become a witch finder because, yeah. uh, uh, basically a, um, a case about a witch like fell in his lap. Like someone mm-hmm. was sent to him that was like, Hey, I've, uh, you have some kind of sway, like a little bit of sway in this small town because you're the lawyer. So you must know about things like the law and the laws about witches. And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, mm. of course I do. Oh yeah. I know all about witches. And, um, he just uses that moment to kickstart his, his career because he successfully mm. arraigns a witch to the magistrate, uh, and then rounds up several other witches because, um, getting confessions from people is quite easy when you torture them uh yeah and implicate a bunch of other people because you tell them that you'll go more lenient on them if they um cough up the rest of the names of the coven yeah and then yeah. that just turns into pointing fingers and he ends up with a huge uh hall of witches uh making him quite famous and then he just does the same thing over a span of time in or in the mm. county and just around the place 
building up his own image, his legacy or his um his status. So his whole goal, he doesn't he doesn't care about witches. He doesn't care about mm. just like randomly murdering people. He doesn't care about justice. He just wants to retire uh comfortably. He wants yeah. some status. He wants to do some hoity-toity parties, but not too hoity-toity because <laughs> he doesn't want to get involved with like things beyond like the local level. Right. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. politics is bad. And he can see exactly what happens when you get too high up. You know, you, someone kills you <laughs> or there's just – there's still – the war is still going on. It's not like safe to do politics. Yeah. Uh, but you can like make yourself a little kind of uh, kingdom within a kingdom You know, if, you're, if you have enough money. And you can mm. live off of that for a good long time. That's his whole motivation for doing the witchery, the witching hunting. Yeah. So yeah, he, I, does, I, he he does that, I, and it it just doesn't end well for him. Is what it all yeah. wraps up. To. So <laughs> yeah. that's that's well, the book, and I'll come back to it as you guys get toward the end of it. I think. Cool. I, I, I really wish that any of that context had been provided in the film. <laughs> yeah, it's really good context, honestly. <laughs> I really wish that any bit of that context had made its way in any expository form into the narrative <laughs> of this film. This film is uh, so myopically focused on the four main characters that there is no time for anyone on the periphery, which is mm. outrageous because since this is ostensibly about a community losing their minds and accusing people of witchcraft, the fact that we never get an idea about what anybody else thinks other than these four characters is is insane to me. So... Once again, I'm sitting there watching scenes and I'm like, I don't know how we got here because mm. the only four characters that talk about anything are not talking about this. Yes. So <laughs> while, while I didn't, I wasn't able to watch the movie. Of course, that that's just the thing that happened. Mm. Um, I was as reading the book, suffering through the book, if you want to call it that. Um <laughs> The whole time I was going, how are they possibly going to be adapting this into a film? Like, whoa, there's mm. so much here. What are they going to do? And what they did from just from what you guys are describing and this sort of like moment in time, a snapshot, they they pulled a couple chapters out of like 40 something chapters <laughs> and then made that a movie. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that sounds um, I will, by benefit of reading this entire thing, um, I will recontextualize whatever happens in the film, um, at the end mm. and give, I think the, the bigger picture that, of why it happened, because I'm betting. And as you've said, they did not explain why things happened. It just <laughs> mm. did. So there's a reason oh, yeah. to like, all of it has a very specific setup and I think the bit that mm. they pulled is actually, it's not even, it's in the first like quarter of the book. And mm. then there's a whole lot more that happens afterwards. So I'm, <laughs> well, I'll see um, as, as everything's laid out on, yes. the, on the table. Yeah. So yeah. play your hand, gentlemen, play your hand. Yes. Uh, so I believe we were at uh, Richard Marshall, the young roundhead has just returned home on two days leave. Uh, to Brandiston in Suffolk to visit his sweetheart, Sarah, who is the niece of the local priest, John Lowe's. Um, Lowe's says, hey, you and Sarah should get married and then leave. Uh, the sooner the better. 
uh, and will not uh, elaborate on that apart from there's trouble coming to the village and he'd like Sarah to be away before any of that uh, gets here. Um, and, you know, in private, Richard asks Sarah why that is. And uh, essentially the priest has been threatened by the rest of the community who are accusing him of being a witch, of consorting with Satan. They've been turned into outcasts in their own village, um, which... Uh, as Leonard has said, really feels like everyone losing their mind because this is the local priest is being accused of witchcraft, which seems like the furthest thing uh, from any general uh, any general idea of accusing someone of which you, you know you'd pick like the isolated of a woman or something, not the person who reads the Sunday sermon. Uh, but <laughs> you know, uh, bigotry is as it will, um, and etc. Uh, and um, you know, Richard. Has a nice couple days off. Uh, this was um, this, this movie was considered shocking in its release in 1968 for a few reasons. Um, it does have a very full-on sex scene here for the time, um, and later on, there's a lot of very fairly graphic torture, um, which all of which earned it uh, some very harsh criticism in the UK market. Yes, as yes. as these movies <laughs> tended to do at that period of time. Mm. Hence yeah. the video nasties. If you're interested, <laughs> folks, you should look into the video nasty. Uh, it's a series of films that were labeled too shocking by the British Film Board of Censors, I believe, uh, mm. that were uh, just equivalent of like American X-rated films uh, that <laughs> were not to be seen by the light of day ever again and have slowly been re-released and people have said really that that's oh yeah it? yeah <laughs> I, and so, also i we can't walk away we can't walk away from this scene with 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 the priest and and the daughter without addressing a uh uh that uh picture with uh that portrait in the background with what is clearly Steve Buscemi's great 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 grandmother <laughs> in it yes um and also the most ridiculously underlit dinner scene i have ever seen committed to film oh I yeah they, <laughs> they could not see their knives and forks <laughs> so and, i mean and period accurate if you're eating past dark, you're in the dark. <laughs> there are two candles lit, and I'm looking around at the scene, and I'm like, there are like five candelabras with 20 candles in them, <laughs> and you're not lighting any one of them. What is going on in this movie? Once again, the, it's just little things where I'm just like, I am I'm going crazy right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll I'll jump in super fast because I pulled up yes. there's a very wonderful appendix um for this book and this will clear up um Mr. John Lowe's. So mm. John Lowe's the vicar of Brandiston I'm just going to read the little entry here because it's yeah. easier than summarizing it. The precise background of this old man is again vague. One account suggests that he was a reading parson, which was the Puritan's description of a cleric who reads Martins and the Evensong, but did not um, exalt the sermon to a sacrament. However, the fact that he had been summoned by the bishop's court on a charge of failing to conform to the rules of the established church suggests that he retained Catholic loyalties. That's very important. And his advanced uh. age supports this probability. A parishioner and a neighboring divine gave their opinion that Mr. Lowe's, being a litigious man, made his parishioners, to, which who, who were too tenacious of their customs, very uneasy, so that they were glad to take the opportunity of these wicked times to get him hanged rather than not get rid of him. Uh, 
Uh, Despite the absence of details, um, it is certain that his hostility towards the ecclesiastical and political sympathies of his community caused his fall. He basically uh, was a he's he's denounced as a papist. So Mm. his loyalties Mm. were um, not to Parliament. Uh, or nor yeah. to the yeah. crown, uh, but instead to the papal state, and as, yes. as such, um, that made him kind of a heretic, mm. which is weird yeah. because he's Catholic. But that's just how yeah, it uh, worked. And I, I have an excuse in a storm. <laughs> I have never been more thankful that Dave has read the oh, yeah. source material <laughs> for a piece of media that we've watched. Um, this is going to be very helpful. <laughs> it's, oh my god. Thank you, Dave, is really yes. what I have to say, because I'm, once again, like, now that I'm getting context, I'm sense, like, none of this is explained in the movie, but it makes sense. I, mm. uh, Yeah. Uh, there, there's probably lots of little hints around that he's Catholic, and I'm just too... Uh, atheistic to pick up on them probably no but... no there weren't uh, there weren't okay no, don't blame yourself Cameron <laughs> Good. this is the movie's fault okay I'll take your word <laughs> fair enough um, anyway uh, Richard finishes his two days leave and then rides off to rejoin the parliamentary army uh, and on the way, he sees a bunch of the locals hanging out on the road at night, uh, and they are supposedly waiting for a lawyer. Uh, and so he says, you know, send him your way if I see him. And then a few miles down the road, he runs into Matthew Hopkins and his assistant, John Stern, and says, oh, yeah, you're going to Branderson? Right that way. There's a group of people waiting to pick you up. <laughs> and off he goes. And as soon as they get there, of course, uh, Hopkins and his assistant get to work and begin rounding up the accused. Uh and torturing them immediately because you know you need to work fast with witches before they go to ground. You need to get confessions. No, uh, no dilly dallying. Uh, you've got to look for that devil's mark. Uh, so this particular form of torture is stick needles into someone's back until you find a spot where when you stick it with the needle, it doesn't bleed and they don't notice that you stuck them with the needle. Uh, that's where the devil marked them when they made their contract with Satan. Um, he tries to hide it, but because it's you know, it's of evil heritage, unholy heritage. It will not bleed. It's not a mortal piece of the person, uh, essentially, is the idea. Um, and, and it is, um, it's it's a pretty awful scene. Uh, uh, this movie goes fairly graphic. And um, stylistically, they went for really bright, like almost red paint for blood, basically. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to say that, like... Um... All of the blood effects in Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow totally mm. make sense after watching this movie. Like, yeah, like clearly that movie was influenced by like Hammer Horror films and 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 mm. like, mm. but the specific color of blood in that. Oh film, yeah, I'm just it's like, exactly. oh oh, there's like some <laughs> historical precedent for this. Like this, I'm like, mm. it, it was like an actual deliberate referential choice to have mm. like this ridiculous candy apple red blood yeah burning out of it's it's almost orange um but (laughs) it is in fact i i would i would believe that it in fact was orange on set and then when filmed just (laughs) looked red yeah yeah 
but it has the advantage of really standing out and being sort of bright and shocking against the more dully lit scenes overall. Uh, and it does its job. <laughs> and, and dully lit people, because let's and, the, yeah, the British well. the British are kind of pacing Yes. Um and uh of course they can't let up. So when when they when they pause in uh stabbing this man in the back repeatedly, they get two of the local villagers to pick him up under the arms and then start just running him around a table and he's not allowed to stop until they get back to start torturing him again. Yeah. Uh because you know, you they know what they're about. Uh, like Dave said, this is not a this is not a matter of believing in witches for them. This is a matter of business, and to do your business properly, you've got to get confessions quickly. And they are they are essentially doing very effective torture to break people down as fast as you know, get them exhausted, get them tired, get them you know just out of their mind to the point where they'll say anything you want, and then you can hang them and go get paid. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sarah steps in with this and sort of kind of seduces hopkins it's kind it's back and forth um essentially uh starts offering him uh sexual favors uh in return for her uncle simply just being locked in a cell instead of actively tortured all the time um yeah. And yeah she'd, and she'd much rather he die of septus than 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 be tortured to death I'm just, I'm just like I I know that wasn't her tip, but I was just oh, like yeah. just, I, like when I saw him in the cell, I was just like uncovered wounds. This place is moist. This is, yeah. isn't going to end well for him either way. Oh yeah, no, it never ends well. Um, yeah, and this is the point where uh, again all the context David provided earlier about a. Uh, uh, Matthew Hopkins sort of rise to his position at the start of this film really comes to handy because um you know at this point in the film I was like is he is he doing this for religious reasons is he doing this for opportunistic reasons and then you know he starts sleeping with a suspect's niece in in return for you know not torturing that suspect I was like okay I think this is like a non-religious thing for her it's just <laughs> it was that weird sense of iffiness because I just didn't know the historical figure um it makes more sense now, obviously. Um, yeah, there, there's like a year and a half, almost two years of of witch hunting stuff that happens before this mm. happens. Like this happens into his career, but not like at. Yeah, it's not quite the height of it. It's getting closer. Mm. So he's been doing this for a while. At that, yeah, at this point, yeah. and um there's more context to go with these characters and the motivations. I just need to, uh, I'll see what happens next yeah. because I think it's a little different than what happened. In the book. Yeah. Also, also we'd be remiss if we didn't comment on Vincent Price's amazing long page boy haircut. Oh um, yes. He's stunning in this film. <laughs> his, 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 <laughs> his ha- Vincent Price's hair and hat are the actual stars of this movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, it is. He fair. is. He is exquisitely, exquisitely period PC in this film, uh, and it and it is it is glorious. Yes, a, a perfect image. <laughs> if Dave has not yet seen him, one moment. Uh, <laughs> just drop this in there. Oh, come on. There's our boy. Yeah, oh, that, he that is. is he is gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> 
It is literally the negative universe Quaker. Um, <laughs> Just toss a coin yeah. to your Witchfinder. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's about right, honestly. Um, yeah. yeah, again, really great casting from a for a really great actor. He he is menacing and sort of charismatic and very self assured and just slips into the role super easily. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, and of course, a witchfinder's work is never done. So at one point, Hopkins has to go over the hill to another village and leaves his assistant John Stern there to sort of just keep in keep keep torturing captives until they confess uh and john stern being a terrible mercenary person who is hired to torture and he's he tortures because he enjoys it uh sees his opportunity he thinks well my employer's been sleeping with this sarah lowe's woman why shouldn't i and then he goes and he rapes her um yeah it is unpleasant uh there are chickens around which i feel is unsanitary as well um but again brutal times horrible terrible people um and uh when hopkins gets back he learns about this and immediately has no desire to have anything to do with sarah anymore and you know orders that you know john stern start torturing her uncle again we gotta deal with this town move on to the next town there's things to do stuff to see uh and they uh don't manage to extract confessions from everyone but then they do the very famous uh witch trial of we tie you up and throw you into a body of water if you sink and drown you're innocent and if you float you're a witch and so we'll hang you yep um which is uh again really really interesting to actually see a representation of how it might have been done i guess is how is is what i mean to say because like um i always imagine it's just tying some up someone up and then just tossing them in and seeing what happens but this is they tie someone up and then keep keep hold of the rope and lower them in and you know obviously they're tied they can't swim but also it gives them the means to retrieve them uh but they do wait long enough to let people drown as well right because of course Uh yeah there's an aspect of of the actual um um big air quotes here which uh murders <clears throat> um uh that that feels really accurate to how it probably was done like mm. oh hey you float if you float then you're a witch and i'm like you're you're holding the rope you can just like hold yeah. them at yeah. the surface of the water unless exactly. you don't unless you don't like the person like that one lady who they pull mm. up and Vincent Price is like she was innocent god <laughs> and, has taken her yes <laughs> and i'm just like i'm just like i'm like man what a what an amazing scam this period of time was where you could just oh, yeah. like like just like yeah, they're if they die by drowning, they they were innocent. So, but it's cool because God. But if they mm. float, then they're a witch, and we need to we need to hang. I'm just like mm. so. And this is once again thanks to the context that they provided. This is once again like was one of the scenes where I was just like, so is everybody like what I, like I'm like this is a scam. Like there aren't any witches, but I don't know what anybody else is getting out of this. So I Mm. don't know why these people are going along and (laughs) with, with these murders, because I can't understand what they're actually getting out of it. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> in, in general, a lot of people making accusations probably didn't believe witchcraft was being done, but oh, wanted yeah. to get someone who was a problem out of the way. Uh, yes. And, you know, yeah, but again, not made super clear at this point in the film. Later on in the film, becomes a little more clear with another town's uh, witch hunt, but yeah, and again, yeah, like you said, a really fantastic look at it how this whole thing was essentially it, it was an operation it was a scam you know, yeah matthew hopkins is going around he's making money doing this this is his living he's literally traveling around the country you know scamming people to death um yeah he, you know uh one of the old lady drowns the young woman and the priest miraculously survived the waters so they must be witches and they are so yes, we we see how the scam is run, and it's time to move on and do the scam elsewhere. Uh, and they leave Branston behind and go off on their wicked ways. Uh, Richard returns and finds out what happened, vows vows his revenge, and also honestly, I think uh, given the time period, is quite understanding of the whole. I had to sleep with this terrible, terrible man to try and protect my uncle, and then I was raped thing. It was not what I expected from that character, but he's very um, sympathetic and accepting of all that, which, good on him, uh, and says, cool, uh, I still want to I still want to be with you. We're going to get married right here, right now, on our own terms, but then I am also going to leave you. Here's a lot of money, and I just need I need to go kill a witch finder. <laughs> <laughs> I really I really love that he's like we're going to get married right here right here right now in this in this desecrated mm. church uh and I'm also just going to slip in hey god just give me a thumbs up on murdering uh Matthew Hopkins mm. and his buddy like yeah. but, because I'm doing real good by Sarah here so just like just tell me that it's okay free pass right free pass just, just, uh, just yeah. god yeah. god god Devoting ourselves to you, but let me mm, yeah. kill him real hard. And I was like, you know what? You know what? Clever. Clever, yeah. clever. You just slide that right in like and then just like <laughs> absolve yourself real easy. Like I'm like mm. I'm like, I'm I okay. You're a good yeah. man. Yeah. It, it was actually quite a nice scene as well. The, the is. church is absolutely ruined, but just I love in the, the you know they're doing this, I would say holy, sacred, intimate act. Uh, you know, kneel, literally kneeling before the Lord, asking for forgiveness, and you know, speaking of how they're going to move forward in the future. And in the background, someone's just scrawled in massive letters "witch" across yep. the back wall, <laughs> because you know you got to make your accusa- accusations very clear. Um, <laughs> So uh, in, in the book, this mm. not not even this scene because it's really kind of these events don't happen like quite simultaneously in the book. There's yeah, stuffs yeah. they're spread out a little bit more. Um, so Hopkins comes to the town. Uh, he's I don't even remember why he's there. He's not particularly looking for any witches. He's there. I think he's just passing through. And then mm. here's these grievances about um, the vicar and mm. just on, he goes to talk to him and the, the conversation's fairly congenial and told the vicar, I don't know what he said, something. And it just sets Hopkins off and Hopkins is like, you're a, mm. you're a 
you're a papist dog and it just goes <laughs> off on there um so that that part's the same kind of he he yeah denounces him as a witch and he's like well, we're gonna do a trial and uh sarah offers herself up in in place of her uncle that part still happens um mm-hmm. unfortunately it happens like not once but many many times it just, book yes. just keeps going on yeah. about it um so she's she's offering to marry hopkins mm. in the book and okay. he he accepts he's like this is weird but i'm um, sure like I'll I'll marry you and then it'll be great and I'll get all this money and I'll have this fine young wife, um, and she's like, okay, this this is like not free; it's an exchange. Like I will marry you and then just not, um, because in in the book it's not her father; it's her uncle, which makes way more sense. Mm. Uh, yeah, and she's like, just you know, don't don't carry out the sentence on my um uncle. Mm-hmm. And Hopkins like re- eventually reluctantly agrees after many nights of spending time with young Sarah. Yeah, uh, yeah. The whole time Stern is there like cuckolding uh, Hopkins and sleeping with her like a bunch. Like this mm. is going on actually before even Hopkins um, took that route, uh, mm. and he he's going to because he just goes they have like um i don't know a signal or something they at at midnight or something that's when he goes to her room comes into the window and don wands or whatever but uh, Mm um he he's going to go visit her like on a not that time like on a different he's like well we're gonna be married so i'm just gonna show up now and Mm. encounters um stern with her but he's just like eavesdropping because he's right, surprised yeah. that there's another man there. And he finds out that it's Stern, which makes him super upset because this is his, like, right-hand man. Um, mm. Hears that they're discussing uh, the, the kind of the future. And Sarah's like, oh, I was just sleeping with him to, to save my uncle. And he's a horror, he's a gross old man. And you're much mm. more young and fit with your nice little beard. And... Um, <laughs> That sends Hopkins, like, off the... I mean, he's, he's not, like, a super stable dude anyway, but he's like, okay, no, we're not doing this. Um, I'm just going to go test your uncle right now. Um, mm. And that's mm. when he goes and um, he basically just murders the uncle by the drowning... The, the witch mm. drowning thing, like, it never ends well. You either die or you die. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, if, if exactly. You sink, if you sink, uh, you're oh, not, not a witch. Unfortunately, you died. Uh, and if you... Mm. It's not even they say if you float. Really, it's if you kind of can swim. Yeah. So if you stay above the water, swimming. Yeah, they're like, oh, oh, you're a witch. Um, Yeah. Yes. If you show any sign of self-preservation, you. (laughs) Yes, because because the water Uh, is water is holy and it's um, the baptismal uh, root, mm. so it's anathema to the devil and it's expelling you. Yeah, yeah. Because you swam <laughs> away. Uh so that's what gets the um the vicar mm. killed. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean it's Hopkins anyway. Would he would have just kind of done it in the first place. But, oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That that's <laughs> kind of what happens there. Uh our our main other character, so in the book, um I lost my little I'll pull up his screenshots. Um, 
in the book, this is Captain Ralph Marjorie is is Sarah's right. fiance. And he's off doing battle, which of course we know is like not quite a day's thing. He's away, not in the town, but he's mm. off fighting. And he hears about this like I think it's a month or two later. It's time has yeah. passed. He's in the middle of a furlough or something, and his one of his buddies comes up and he's like, Oh yeah, I was just going through some old towns and um and it was crazy. There was like a, a all these hangings and a bunch of witches were caught and it was, it was bizarre. Um, mm. uh, and he's like, and that was in the whatever the one little town is. And so mm. that, of course, uh, freaks Marjorie out. And he's like, okay, we're we're gonna go on a little trip, guys. So he takes his whole regiment or like part <laughs> part of his regiment. He's like totally misusing his military mm. command um, because they're not technically in a battle, so he can just move his troops as he sees fit and he's going to yeah. move them back to his town briefly to see what the heck is going on. And mm. um, that's when he goes back, finds out that the vicar had been um, hung for a witch and that his, uh, his young uh, fiance um, was, has been um, begotten with child um, by the mm. witch, witch finder. Uh, uh, and she's been living with the other because I think she's in a town like a town like a, a little village one town over now and yeah. so she's she's staying with the local um uh priest family mm. there that was kind of I guess yeah. adjacent friends to the vicar um and she's has like justifiable all kinds of mental she's she's not doing well um mm. but that's where uh marjorie he's like promising his um revenge against uh hopkins to that that priest he's like i'm just gonna go find this guy track him down and kill him and the, the yeah the priest is like maybe you should take care of uh sarah instead like make that your mm. uh mission and then he's like, no, uh, I'll just do both. Like, we're just going to get married right now. We're going to get married right now. Um, just to, I should have done that before. And we'll get married. And then, then I'll go track him down. It'll just take like a minute. I'll go get him. And then we'll be done. <laughs> it does not take a minute. It takes yeah. like four, four years. Uh, it takes many yeah. years of him tr running, trying to track down Hopkins. That, that, that's kind of the framing of it in the, in the book. Mm, yeah, uh, in in the movie it feels more like a what a couple months tops. It, in, in the movie it feels like it took a week for tracking. Yeah, yeah it's it's <laughs> years, and it's a lot of like it's um a lot of tomfoolery because there's just so many times where they're in the same like little town and they like ships in the night just miss each other yeah like, repeat it yeah. over and over again you're like no he's right there and <laughs> just keeps missing him so it's super frustrating because it's it's like chapters of the book going okay he's gonna get mm. him this nope once well, like, i can look at think well there's like 100 pages left um he hasn't caught him yet so <laughs> this is gonna go on for a little while oh god that's crazy yeah um yeah the, like Leonard said this is a much shorter time frame in the movie um and yeah, but you know the, the same irresponsibility towards his new wife. He literally gives her 
what presumably a pouch with his recent pay in it, just a big bag of money, and says, "Go to Lavenham. It's the next town over. Uh, I'll come to you. Don't yeah, go I'll find you. Else. Yeah, I'll, I'll just figure out where you are. Yep, and and off he goes, deserting the army. Um, yep, <laughs> on his way. Um, in the meantime, Hopkins and Stern actually get themselves into a little trouble because uh, the Civil War being what it is. Uh, resources like horses are in short supply and Hopkins has a really nice horse and so they actually run afoul of a roundhead patrol who are attempting to get more horses for the army um, and you know they refuse to get their horses over uh, they get split up um, and Stone ends off, ends off on his own for a while um, at which point uh, his, he runs into uh, Marshall uh, who immediately <laughs> tries to kill him of course uh, yes. but manages manages to give him the slip and while giving him the slip just coincidentally runs into Matthew Hopkins on the road <laughs> like literally turns a bend oh there, there's my boss grabs him drags him into the underbrush just stay right here and then Richard rides on past like a ship yep. in the night as Dave said um, <coughs> completely misses him um, and uh, you know there's Hopkins is like well this guy wants revenge but I am a witch finder, so if he keeps causing trouble, I'll just say he's a witch. It's not an actual problem. We're fine. Let's go to the next village. Where are we? What's on this? Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a Lavenham. Yeah, let's go to Lavenham. See what's happening over there. <laughs> because uh, fate is not kind. Um, because because every town is literally um, Batman v Superman's equivalent of of Metropolis and Gotham. There's just a yeah. creek in between the two. And oh yeah, that's I that's mean, how it works. <laughs> two days, two days ride, and you're in you're in Gotham. Yeah, it, it's honestly not that unrealistic. Yeah, <laughs> again, I said it at the start. I'll say it again. Britain's small. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a big country. <laughs> God, I could I could I could drive for two days and not hit another town. But sure. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, so they they go to Lavenham and start doing their work. The local innkeeper has a plethora of witches to hand over, um, so he he's got himself pretty busy. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, meanwhile, uh, Richard is uh, narrowly avoiding getting court-martialed and possibly executed, just because you know he's a good prospect, he's good British stock, you know, or good English stock, I should say at the time. Um, and so he's given a chance to prove himself in another battle, and he does, and he gets promoted, and everything's going well. Hoity-toity, we had the battle 20 minutes ago. Look at us. We don't look like we fought a battle in our lives. Uh, we nope. heard the king We heard the king was going to try to escape to France, so could you just take some of your men and just uh, check over, check the coast? You know, it's a couple days ride. You know, it's barely, barely anywhere away. Uh, just see if you can find him. Uh, because again, the 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 entire context here is you know Parliament is after the king because they want they want the power that the crown has, and if they if they don't control the king, they can't force the king to sign over his uh, governmental powers, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, that that's their whole goal. It is literally a side note in this entire film. Um, it, it, it is. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it is. It is a. It is a subplot that hits a brick wall. Uh, and in front of like ten thousand people, and every single one of those people just says, um, "All right," and then just walks away. That subplot just falls off a cliff. 
like yeah yeah in a way that was so unsatisfying that i was that 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 i then became angry at the movie when when mm. it happened yeah cause i had a real we, emotional journey the entire yeah. time watching this film well because yeah we within one scene transition to uh the cliff sides with a fisherman repairing nets and saying Oh, I didn't know he was the king when he asked for passage over the channel. <laughs> and there we go. He's gone. He's out of the picture. That entire subplot hits this brick wall. And um, Richard goes, well, they they expected me to be a bit longer about this. And I've got four guys with me. So I should probably go look for that witch finder. <laughs> I should probably take some time to kill that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That guy that I told God pretty explicitly that I was going to kill. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um. And uh, of of course. Meanwhile, uh, the Witchfinder and his assistant have been really hard at work. Again, we get we get many more terrible ways to treat people, such as these people have been accused as of being witches. Let's put them in a pig pen and have the whole village beat them with sticks until they confess. Yes, and by the whole village, mm. we just mean actually mostly the children. Yeah, mostly the children. <laughs> Again, every scene of like public execution in this, the camera focuses in on like a five-year-old watching like the local priest get hanged, and I'm like, yep. this was what happened. This passed for entertainment in the day. Is that why all these people are so messed up? Because... <laughs> You know, you're four years old and your mom's like, oh, let's go see the hanging. Oh, cool. They're going to string up the vicar. Yep. <laughs> You'll love it. It's great. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, they're a witch. They're not a person. Yeah. They're not really a person. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I thought the Romans had blood spots. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, they they are pretty terrible about it all. Um Essentially, uh, the the big problem here is, you know, Sarah's been told to stay in Lavenham. Matthew Hopkins and John Stern are also in Lavenham. It is a matter of, uh, it is just a matter of time before they bump into each other. Uh, John Stern manages to spot her. Um, they figure out that, you know, if she's here, Richard's going to be not that far behind, presumably. Uh, so they've got to set, they've got to set up their ploy to accuse this man of being a witch real quick uh, and get things sorted. But uh, they also need to execute someone in possibly the most horrible way possible, which is we have this giant crucifix in the town, set up the big bonfire five feet away from it, tie a woman to the top of the ladder and use the crucifix as like a lever in lowering her face first into the fire. Yep. Um, Again. Oof. If you've if you've if you've watched the uh, Silent Hill movie adaptation, mm, it's exactly how Sybil gets it in th- at the end of that movie. Spoilers for that <laughs> over a decade old video game adaptation movie. But yes, if you've seen it th- and haven't seen that, that is that is the uh, torture method, murder mm. method used to dispose of this unfortunate woman. Yes. Yeah. It is uh, pretty awful. Again, one of those... Cut cut to cut to children cooking potatoes in the ashes of mm. 
uh, <laughs> of, of that unfortunate woman, like hey, through a slow fade. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I was just like, yeah, that was that was the that I think that was actually the most effective scene, uh, like mm. transition for me in the movie is like woman being horrifically murdered slow fade to children cooking potatoes in in the remnants of the fire i yeah. was like yeah. oh right that's really good yeah it you've is, got it a is point there day to day in life yeah you yep. made your point <laughs> again like um i feel i talked about this a little bit last time with uh when dave and i talked about elementari this feels very real it feels more theatrical because like things are generally a little more brightly lit and not as grim and dirty but like this is definitely a period piece and it yes. it feels it feels like a pretty faithful adaptation of the times as far as my knowledge goes and oof oof um <laughs> yeah and and just the movie yeah. itself this it's it's cult classic status wasn't um a thing that developed afterward uh, it was an immediate mm. reception because there are multiple um, spin-off, uh, I guess, topic-adjacent films that just, like, mm. hit the theaters one after... I mean, most of them, they're, they're Italian, of course. Um, yeah. But yeah. they came, uh, like, immediately in the scene right after that. There's uh, Mark of the Devil. Um, mm. That's the only one I can, like, recall off the top of my head. But I know there's, like, a three... There's a... a uh, it's the trinity yeah. of these witch hunt movies that all came out um, around the same time, right before like 1970, uh, and they're all huh. uh, they're they're classics, not in that sense, but in the sense that they um, they're the the best portrayals of these kind of events, even if they're sensationalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, another a large point of it's not contention, but the <laughs> the treatment of the the witches in in the book, and since it's a historical document, basically, um, mm. by and large, at this point in history, they were um, the 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 preferred accepted method, the legal method of dealing with witches was by hanging, mm. which is by yeah. and large how. Um, Hopkins dealt with the the many many um, witches that he found. the mm. The burning at at the stake of a witch was it, it had a precedence. It had been done before, but it was not being practiced widely or almost at all. I think there had been mm. I, I want to say the book cites another case like twenty years before. At some time, quite before um, mm. his time was the last local um witch burning uh yeah and it's not even something that he um if the book is is if uh, the research was done there's a large work cited um section in there but um it's not his decision uh to do mm. burning uh it was um stern who uh, he basically i want to I, I, if I have so Stern and uh, Hopkins 
joined together, but they parted ways like multiple times. They're not always working together. Mm. And Stern keeps like yeah. backstabbing Hopkins and then getting kind of forgiven for it. He does it a lot. <laughs> and then it just gets like mm. worse and worse and worse until he like eventually, I think he robs him of 600 um, uh, pounds, which is a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Um, That's insane. <laughs> and so I, at, at one point, I think it's. Yeah, it's before that part. So the the last previous great transgression, um, Stern had had uh, left Hopkins high and dry. Hopkins finally kind of tracks him down, and Stern mm. had been doing uh, witch hunting kind of in Hopkins' name, uh, so propping up Hopkins' reputation without Hopkins knowing about it, mm. and had found a local, um, or not local. Uh, he had found a small town. Uh, where a woman was, she was being accused of witchcraft, like, tangentially. It wasn't even, like, the main accusation. Uh, the main accusation was that she had, um, she had um, poisoned her husband. Like, not through witchcraft, but she just murdered him. Uh, mm. That was not a proven thing, but that was the accusation. Well, the, the punishment um for murdering one's husband could be up to include up to and include being burned at the stake yeah that, that's like yeah. a, an option you could resort to um stern mm. took that that idea and uh combine that with her being ha ha there there's some small modicum of her being accused as a witch so he conflated the mm. two together um got her trumped up on the the murdering her husband charges and also like oh maybe she used her witch powers to do it um so yeah. she's also a witch. Okay. so let's burn yeah. the witch yeah. and then that um any of the the um arraignment for witches and the sentencing for them when those things happen like uh, not only is it entertainment for the people that it's like it makes you super notable if you're the one that mm. caught them, like you, you can become, it gets you a lot of money basically. Yeah. And yeah. The, the, the being, this being the first burning in the town and then like in regional memory, uh, was mm. super high profile. And, uh, Hopkins yeah. shows up, of course, right as the burning is happening. And that's, yeah. that's Steen going, Oh, the, he's, I told you he might show up, but it's the great, it's the great witch finder general. He's here to witness, um, <laughs> the, the, you know, this, this burning of the witch. So we are mm. all blessed with his presence and give us more money because he's, yeah. he, he took his yeah. time out of his busy schedule to come attend this, um, this burning. Um, mm. That yeah. is the context of why the burning is like so important to yeah. him, to Hopkins. Uh, yeah. Even though he did not arrange um, it, and it's he was actually like coming there to like I think try to kill Stern. He was really mad at him, uh, and then he's like, mm. "Oh, actually, oh, well, this will work out. I mean, you you did me a solid. Yeah. Bro, I'll, I'll forgive your transgressions until next time." Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to be the one to provide some context now. Um, 600 pounds stolen from Matthew Hopkins is the equivalent of 140,000 pounds today. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was his entire, like, yeah. retirement, um, mm. hedge mm. fund thing that he had scooped together from these years of doing all these, um, yeah. murders, yeah. basically. Uh, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I may, I, I, I was pretty sure it was 600. It wasn't 300, mm. I don't think. 
Yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot of money either way, and he was just, like, flipping out. Um, I'll I'll get back into that in a minute, because it's it's super important for the end of the book, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, it is worth no- noting, even though it actually really doesn't impact the, the film all that much, that there is a betrayal that we, we skipped over where where mm-hmm. Hopkins leaves Stern on his own, uh, yes. as opposed to it, it is literally just a reverse of the situation that Dave just described, um, which really, uh, which once again resolves with with uh, with Stern confronting Hopkins during the after after uh, um, burning this poor woman, um, and then they're just like yeah, and then they're just fine again. It's it's yeah. it yeah, like there there's there the movie hints at just a bit of tension, and then it lets that tension dissipate almost <laughs> immediately. But yeah. because yeah. Dave brought up the betrayals, I thought, oh yeah, here's a mm. good time to mention yeah. that happens, but in the inverse. Yes, quite. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, John Stern has orchestrated this uh, witch finding, this witch hunt, followed by this very prestigious burning as Matthew Hopkins shows up, uh, and they get together. They start working on a plan to deal with Richard Marshall when he inevitably shows up, and they concoct a clever ploy, a clever trap, um, which is uh, we're going to catch him by surprise and then have the innkeeper who accused those uh, people who you just uh, hanged and burned of being witches, we'll have the, we'll have the innkeeper accuse them of being witches as well. Um, and we get the, uh, the great scene of uh, getting a witness, which is they've got Richard and Sarah at gunpoint and says, you know, Matthew Hawks and who brings forth the accusations? I did, sir. And what did you see? Saw them talking to their familiars, sir. Black cat and a stoat. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. Again, really, really selling this as the big scam, but like to the point where they couldn't even bother inventing one of those great named little demonic imp things. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I got, I got some words about that. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, please do. <laughs> yeah, the, so the it's this is basically it's the setup for um I just didn't even find it, but uh it's the setup for him uh establishing himself in the first place is his very first uh witchery uh case. And um chapter it must be chapter this one. Well, I'm not going to find it immediately, but I can. I, I do recall um, exactly or close enough to what it was. The there's a woman that's accused of being a witch, and she's old. Mm. That's Mark One, uh, and she has mm. has one leg. That's Strike Two. Oh, um, yeah, no. and people are mad at her for <laughs> other stuff that mm. didn't happen. Um, people are just like, oh my pigs fell sick and my wife's been sick and someone's cow died last year. It's just like <laughs> those mm. kind of things that unrelated, but um, happened too closely together to be mere coincidence. Must yeah. Be witchery afoot. And um, it's the same deal where uh, uh, um, Hopkins and Stern. And in this, in this particular instance, because what the book gives us and is an actual um person uh an additional person would be goody phillips and goody phillips is a um a 
she's not a midwife. She's a lady that exists in this little town. Um, they hire her uh, because to, to one of the, the the proofs of a witch is yes, the mark of a witch, and um, this is their first like go at this. So Hopkins hmm. uh, Stearns probably fine doing this, but Hopkins was like. Oh, it's probably inappropriate, um, even if we are in service of the Lord and doing the the good work of finding this witch. Um, but for all appearances, um, maybe it's not great if I'm the one that's like stripping this lady uh, to mm-hmm. find the mark. So let's go get one of the local ladies and we'll have her do it. And it's, they find um, Goody Phillips, who is a woman who loves she, she she loves to drink. She's super heavy set, and she's just kind of like treated as one of the guys, basically, mm. but still a woman. So she's free to do this job. Um, mm. And they they're just like harassing this like poor old one legged woman, and uh, doing the same thing where they're like. The 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 tests of this is to find the mark. Well, they don't find a mark, and mm. of course that turns into actually the mark must be on her leg that's been chopped off. So <laughs> she's hidden it. She's <laughs> hidden it with her magic, um, and it's like um, she must be a witch because how else would she lose her leg? She's not. She didn't go to the war. She didn't lose. She's an old woman. She didn't <laughs> lose her leg in the war, um, mm. and they they just like keep badgering her and one of the um her her jailer uh is like this nasty dude and mm. he's like he's he's hitting on the old like like one-legged lady uh, uh, and okay. she's she, i mean she's not having any of this treatment she's doing her best to like defend herself mm. and try to she, you know, she's like, I'm not a witch. You know, this is stupid, and you guys are terrible. Oh, that's what it is. She curses at people, but it's just like invect. It's like just you pie faced uh, poo eater. You know, it's just like stupid, mm. like curses. Like they're not actual. They're just nasty yeah. words. So that's that was her strike three. She, she says nasty words to people. Um, mm-hmm. so she's just like cursing this guy and, um, she's like, I think she scratches his face. And so he, he gets turned off and run, he locks the jail again. And, um, the next morning, uh, they're like, what happened to your face? And he's like, I, I have it guys. I have the confession. And she had, um, she summoned her familiars cause the whole, whole problem, the whole point is to mm-hmm. leave the witch in a room, um, not alone, but you have to observe the witch in a room uh, with no mm. food or water for like 24 hours or 48. It's a couple of days. Just like starve someone. Yeah. And then um, they'll start, ideally, they'll start hallucinating because they're so starved and made to run around mm. and just exerted. And they'll start like talking to themselves or whatever. And that really means yeah. they're, talking, they're talking to their invisible familiars at that point. Just an excuse. Uh, um, yeah. So he's like, yeah, it's your, her her four familiars showed up. It was, it was like, there was a, uh, he's like, you know, he's like, he's like, um, there was, yeah, there was like four of them and they, like, they were biting me and scratching. Like, look at this, the, the cat, the cat familiar, it got me in the face. 
Um, and then there was this nasty dog with no legs. It was like wiggling around and trying to bite my ankles. And there was a polecat. And then there was another dog who had the face of a pig. And he's just like <laughs> making crap up to like not say that old yeah. woman like got one over on him. Um, mm, yeah. But it's enough for, for Hopkins. It's enough for him to go like, okay we'll we'll take your testimony to the magistrate and we'll have her like arraigned for a witch and then the guy's like wait the i got what he's like yeah yeah you gotta you gotta go testify you gotta go tell the court like all that you saw and the guy's like uh okay and so his story just gets crazier and crazier because he can't remember like all the little details mm-hmm. and then other people mm-hmm. are piping in like oh i saw the yeah i saw some crazy cat with a pig face too and he's they're just it just gets blown up like super crazily, but it's it's enough to like yeah elevate Hopkins to this bigger level if he can pro- like come through with this because right. if it yeah. falls apart yeah. or it turns out that someone's lying, then he's like basically screwed. Um, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't turn out that way. They end up implicating like five other women um, because they just started torturing that old lady. Uh, mm. But the yeah the names it was like. Uh, Black Tom and mm. Dandy Sprinkles. There's like there's this stupid <laughs> like <laughs> little names. And the other the other implication is that they have to be real familiars because people like the common people that are illiterate can't come up with like fancy names. Mm. Like, right. It's impossible yes. that they could think of these names. Like, okay, sure. You just called it sure. like Lord Twinkle Toes, and that's a <laughs> perfectly good familiar name. It's very evil. I, oh, I, yeah. I really, I really desperately want to adapt Dandy Sprinkles into a demonic familiar for any piece of fiction that I'm mm. moving forward. I, I really, <laughs> I, I'm really sold on that name. <laughs> I, need, I, I need it to be like not actually an evil thing. It needs to be. Yeah, like a a totally innocent, like goofy thing with a a dumb name, and then it's not even evil. <laughs> yep, but it's but it's yeah. the only one. Like like there needs to be other ones. Like has a terrible name or like some kind of evil name, but it's also it's actually evil. Like I want <laughs> that ridiculous dichotomy because it's it this everything is black and white. It's this is good and this is evil. There's no shades of gray. Nope, um, that's even nope. funnier. But it only it only works if it, like it's short, like a novella or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it would be good, but yeah, that's the other. So uh, the whole point of that, aside from uh, talking about the familiars, is that um, uh, Preston Goody, Preston. Mm. Uh, Goody Phillips. I'm sorry, uh, Goody Phillips accompanies. Um, Hopkins like the entire story I mean she'll wander off and do other stuff but she's like a firm part of this trio of uh, witch hunters and she does all the work of like hmm. that's testing people for their marks uh, and the other lore that I meant to talk about because that was the important part is the <laughs> we, you discuss the like a, a mole or a little dot um, that is impervious mm. to pain that could be the size of a flea like <laughs> you, could, mm. you couldn't even see it um yep. and then the the mark of the the mark of the devil we learn in the opening um prologue of this when when um uh, hopkins is is though just the in the in the war as a lawyer being not not drafted but just like working in the war as a pikeman um he is 
cursed by a it's not again it's just someone yell angrily yelling at him for a justifiable reason mm-hmm. um and uh it's it's these um people that have fled the royalist camp and they're mm-hmm. caught by the parliament and then they're all consigned to death and because um two of the women are irish they're they're going to be killed um, because the english women are just cut in the face instead uh and one of the women uh, she like escapes her bonds just briefly enough to run and, and grab onto hopkins and she's like yelling mm-hmm. at him and begging for to be protected or to you know somehow escape that fate um but she has a like a blemish on her lip like a cold sore or mm. something she has some sort of little mark on her lip and yeah uh she gets she gets killed uh hopkins this is just freaks it freaks a lot of people out all this kind of stuff just like they're not used to that because they're just they're recruited from the regular town they're not they're like militia mm. and they're not used to all this stuff um, it's just one person decides to do something bad and everyone just kind of follows along because that's just what happens. It's mm. the herd mentality. Yeah. Um, he gets sick, um, probably because they've been tramping around uh, for weeks in like gross rainy weather and wet shoes and, you know, just bad conditions. Uh, so he just comes down with the flu or something. And it's immediately, of course, after that woman had um, grabbed onto him. So... Everyone's like, she must have been a witch. Mm. And she cursed you because we heard her speaking in tongues. And like the captain's like, uh, she was just speaking in um, like Gaelic. <laughs> it's not it's not a crazy like language. But yes, it could have been the work of the devil. Because um, mm. that's always a safe bet. You know, just lean on that and you're, you're, you're usually home yeah. free. Uh, so Hopkins, he, he gets sick and... Um, uh, we get introduced to a character who I thought, because th- there's no context given for Hopkins in the beginning. It's a dude that is a lawyer and he is uh, uh, a reluctant guy fighting this battle. Um, mm. And you're thinking, oh, maybe he's like the protagonist of it. And there's another character, um, like High High Bridges or something. I don't know, some goofy name. But I thought he mm. was going to be the Witchfinder General because he's um, he's just everything he says is a sermon and he's the one that instigates like them uh, treating these prisoners as witches. Mm. And they, so he, they, he, he riles Hopkins and everyone up going, okay, so if that lady cursed Hopkins, the only way to, to cure it is to, to um, we have to find that, uh, find out that she's a witch and we'll burn her body or something. So we got to go mm. look for the witch's mark or the, the mark of the devil. And, this is great because you're given this through Hopkins point of view for like the full first couple chapters. Uh, mm. And he's like, I don't really, he's like, I witches are witchcraft's a thing. Everyone believes it's real, but no one's seen it yet. And like, there's a lot of room for doubt um, because you mm. can't like physically prove it really, unless you see it. Uh, so he's like, I'm not too, I'm feeling a little sick. I'm not really keen on like going to look at an, you know, disrobe a dead body and search it for a mark. That's probably not there. <laughs> um, the, the other guy is like insistent on, he's like, yeah, we got, we, well, we'll check it and then we'll be sure. And then everything will be fine. So they go, they go check the body. They come back. There's like, yeah, there was no mark. 
So I was like, what does that mean? He's like, well, maybe you're just sick. <laughs> maybe you're not actually cursed. Mm-hmm. No one knows. But um, <laughs> at that point, Hopkins is in like a, a delirium and he has a fever. And he, um, oh, he's he's told by the, uh, the, the, so the, it's the guy that's leading their troop is the yeah. religious fanatic dude, which is why I thought he would be the witch fighter general because he's in charge of a military regiment thing and he's mm-hmm. super religious. Uh, we get a fun little like paragraph of it switching perspective to that a religious guy. And mm. the whole time he's like, he's, he's saying his pious things and he's going, someone please call me out on this. Like I just made this suggestion because I thought it was so crazy that every, someone's surely going to go, Oh yeah, that's, there's no reason to search a dead body. They're dead. I know. Mm. So he like was just saying, junk to to just seem cool and then he's like please mm. come on let's not have to do this and then everyone else is like oh yeah that sounds great let's go do it even though everyone else is going this is probably a bad idea but since our boss said to go do it we should go do it. you know it's just a, it feeds it's mm. this cycle of like stuff feeding in on itself and that's like a, a small like um, microcosm of w- w- the bigger way that this kind of craze spreads and how how those things kind yeah. of worked was some someone just making an accusation because they were mad or whatever, and mm. other people just like buying into it um, because other people were also buying into it. You know, it just becomes a wave of like hysteria. Yeah. Um, but the but the best part is the uh, the um, the leader, the, the commander of the little group. He's sitting there and he's you know telling them all this, and he's like, "Don't you know about the?" the devil's mark and he's like it's the it's the third pap and he spends like a paragraph talking about paps and the third pap and mm. then it could be anywhere on the body um but it's what it's what the witches um suckle their familiars with to sucker them and gain powers <laughs> um, right so you they're searching for a third nipple um, on this on this corpse that they don't find but the, so Hopkins wakes from his fever like the next day or a couple of days later. Um, he, he wasn't even like lucid enough when they were doing the searching. He was just very sick. So he wakes up sweating and like screaming out the third pap, the third pap. It's like it was it was on her lip, <laughs> like the, the, the like the little canker sore thing was right. the third pap. So. um he wakes up flipping out because he also has like a little sore on his lip. Mm. So it's just like, a, I don't know, a, a herpes. Yeah. Two or something. Um, but that's like what unhinges him or like incites this fear of witches, even though it's not something like he believes that it exists, but he just wants money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He just he just wants to live comfortably. Doesn't really care about witches. This is just a means to an end. Um but unfortunately it's a means that gets a lot of people killed. So that's yes. That's like his origin, but I also wanted to get into like just the bit of witches have a third pap and mm. um uh, they have familiars <laughs> and these are the things that like qualify people potentially as being witches even though you um they can hide their third pap. They can make it disappear. Right. So, okay. <laughs> So basically, you got mm. nothing. You've got nothing. You're just yeah. like making yeah. crap up, and any oh, excuse, yeah. you know. Yeah. 
Thankfully, the human species has advanced so far that we no longer give in to uh, hysteria and paranoia with false accusations. That never Mm. happens anymore. Oh, it'll never happen again. No. Nope. (laughs) Moving swiftly onwards from (laughs) uncomfortable self-introspection. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Hopkins and, uh, John, oh God, John Stern, I forgot his last name for a second, uh, have successfully captured Sarah and Richard and for their plan to work, they need Richard to confess in such a way that they can bring it before a magistrate and say, Hey, this guy from the army's a witch. Can we murder him? Um, and so they fall on the age-old, very effective method of torture, which is tie you up and force and watch and force you to watch us torture your loved one yeah. uh, as um, they begin searching Sarah for the Devil's Mark, uh, which she clearly does not have. She is not a witch. Um, <clears throat> and of course, John Stern takes great glee in this because he's a terrible, awful person who actually enjoys the work as opposed to Hopkins, who is just doing it because he's good at it and he gets a lot of money out of it um and this is sort of the climactic scene of the movie where you know um basically richard manages to break free is fighting hopkins and stone at the same time and then his uh the rest of his patrol from the army uh finally track down where he disappeared off to uh and break in and um (laughs) by the time they manage to get to him uh stone is dead and um he has, and uh, Richard has an axe and is just laying into Hopkins, who is still alive, yeah. uh, by hitting him repeatedly in the back with an axe. Um, yeah. Just absolutely insane and broken at this point from all the all the awful things he's been forced to live through. Yeah, Marshall is doing his his level best Lizzie Borden impersonation. Um, <laughs> at the end of this movie and and mm. then and then gets hard robbed by his buddy his military buddy mm. at the end. yes yes um the 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 friend from the army comes in sees this awful situation says oh i'd have to help my friend and shoots hopkins killing him and um you took him from me yep you took him from me and just that's all richard can say at this point is repeating over and over and over you took him from me uh and one of the soldiers says may god have mercy on us all and that sets off sarah who begins just screaming at the top of her lungs because god has clearly had no mercy on any of the people involved in this yep yeah and moving that's your happy ending that that has nothing like none of that Mm. happens in the book it's yeah, I figured. <laughs> so what you're telling me that Matthew Hopkins wasn't murdered with an axe by a disgruntled soldier? <laughs> so these, I'll just go through the end of the book. I'll have to sum it up because <laughs> mm. it's like many, many pages happen between the kind of things that were going on in the movie and then like what actually how it panned out in the book. Um, yeah, I mentioned that. Uh, Hopkins is being basically chased for like years um by Marjorie. And so the the captain like he's been chasing him, but it's like on and off cuz he's still trying to do like the war stuff, so he's only can spare a little bit of time to go after him. Uh the war is finally concluded, the king has fled the country, supposedly fled the country. Um there's a bunch of little bits where uh 
because Marjorie has never actually seen Hopkins, he doesn't know what he looks like. I mean, he knows from, like, other people telling him, but that's not the same as, like, seeing the face of the dude that you're after. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many little happenstances where he ends up thinking that um, because the, the, the king fled one of the final battles um, and just is just running around the countryside trying to escape the parliament forces – uh, a lot of times where he's on Hopkins' trail, he ends up getting it confused and thinking he's following after the king, which would be even better because if he could capture the king, then like that's though you can't get higher like military accolades than that than capturing like the enemy commander. Um, so he's chasing after like two men, even though the entire time it's really just Hopkins. But that makes it harder for him yeah. to find Hopkins because he's looking for like two kind of different people. That that sound the similar just on like appearance, but <laughs> it'll actually be the trail of the king he's following sometimes, and then sometimes it's Hopkins. So it just gets all mixed up, which is why it takes him years. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meanwhile, uh, Hopkins knows he's being chased. There was a lot of shenanigans going on. Um, he he kept like the last major before the robbery, the last major time that he broke away from Stern. Uh, he actually was with um, uh, Goody and they got stopped by Captain Swallow, who I think is in the movie because that's um, uh, that's the best friend of um, Ralph. Marjorie is Captain okay. Swallow. And yeah. Swallow knows about Hopkins, but was never told like why Hopkins... Uh, he doesn't know that Hopkins and uh, Marjorie don't get along. He just knows that they know each other. Ah. So he hears, he he stops him and basically like requisitions his horse because Hopkins has like a really good horse and he needs <laughs> it for, and, and um, Swallow is like, he's, he'd lost his horse in the last battle. So he's like, oh, let me take your horse. Here's a promissory note, go to London and you'll get re- reimbursed. And Hopkins starts flipping out, going, don't you know who I am? I'll I'll take you to the magistrate, and I'll have you hanged for a witch. And it just gets, it just goes downhill really fast from there, because he should have just let his horse go. It would have been <laughs> fine. Swallow isn't having that. He was just going to, like, let this dude go, who was crazy. And then, um, instead, he's like, actually, you know what? Um, we will go to the magistrate. We're going to go right down there, because you're going to get conscript papers. You're going to be a pikeman. Um, so he's, he, he gets like drafted into the army forcibly again and it's just him <laughs> like not wanting to be there and it's a, a, like a chapter or two of these crazy battles and him just freaking out and somehow like not being murdered in combat um, mm. he he uh, he eventually um, runs away and that's where he like bumps into um, Marjorie or like ships in the night they're in the same like little um village in the same farmer's house but um marjorie and his few men um are resting from their search for the king uh in a like a barn and then Mm. hopkins is in the main house and then he just gets like laughed at um because he ran in the middle or like in the beginning of the battle where the king's forces were routing part like a wing of the parliament Mm. forces so he, the whole time he's like, oh, the king won and the parliament's being destroyed. And he's raving about that to the um, the farmers who are just going like, uh, no, the like you didn't st- you obviously like 
quit. Where's your pike? Like, you can't just <laughs> run away from a battle mm. because uh, if you had stayed a little longer, you would have realized that Parliament won and the king's, like, running around in X, like, fleeing for his life by himself somewhere in the country. So <laughs> um, he gets laughed out of the barn or the, the little farm place. And so they, they miss each other there. There's a bunch of stuff goes on and they keep just missing each other over periods of months. Um, he hooks back up with Stern. Uh, he's doing a lot of like that. That's so I think when there's the, the burning happens when he catches back up with Stern um, after that. And um, so they're there. He's in a better position for a while. That's how he gets his 600 um, pounds. And then uh, he's on his way to go um, put the, the money at a goldsmith um, who can like it's they don't have like bankings. They just have I don't know. You can yeah. just intern your money into the smithery and it's safe generally. So he's trying to do that. But then mm -hmm. Stern like just steals the sack full of money and like runs off. So Hopkins spends like four four or five months chasing after like the ghost of Stern. Like, he can't get, he can't find Stern. And he's always <laughs> like steps behind him and he's just getting old and he's getting sicker and sicker. And then he ends up just like getting a weird fever and he's just not, no food. He's running out of money basically. So he can't feed himself on mm. his chase. Um, randomly because all the small towns are very close together um he runs into goody again who nurses him back to health in exchange for taking care of him and being servile during the day and then um chasing that sweet old man wrinkly body at night it's super <laughs> weird uh, but they have that kind of working relationship until um, hopkins is well enough uh to go after stern again he mm. tracks him down, finds the town that he's supposed to be in, and he's on his way to do that. And he stops at a pub, like on the next town over, um, because he's tired and old. And he's just like lamenting his um, lot in life. I mean, he doesn't have his money. He's not healthy. Everything's gone wrong. Uh, what could go worse? Well, um, the table over. <laughs> <laughs> is good old captain marjorie uh, and he just like because he, he he uh he gave up his um third blood vengeance thing and was just married and happily living with sarah and just doing some military commission on the side and has a kid with her and you know everything's rosy for him um he perks up um, because he hears that, because um, Hopkins didn't name himself, he's just talking about Stern. He's like grumping about Stern being so close yet so far. And uh, mm. Marjorie's like, you know Stern. Like, I'm looking for him. Uh, and Hopkins is, you know, he just, he's always self-important even when he's down on his luck. And so he's like, of course I know Stern. I am, I am Hopkins. And the, <laughs> that, that's like the last straw so um marjorie just like mm. he flips out and he's like i've been chasing you for so long and to think i would luck out and just find you right here you just you just march mm. yourself right into my lap i didn't even have to try in fact i'd quit looking for you and here you are <laughs> happy day um <laughs> so he go he's talking he has like three or four men with him and he's just going like 
we send um what's better than a thief to catch a thief like that's that's the that's the wisdom it's like you send a thief to, yeah. to get a thief it's like you're the witch finder mm-hmm. who's the who would be the best at catching a witch another witch so therefore you're really really good at you know catching and hanging people and calling them finding these all these witches you must also be a really good witch let's go find out and he marches him down to the little pond um uh binds him uh thumb to thumb to toe to toe because that's what you do (laughs) and chucks him in the pond or a little lake Mm. or whatever it is and uh of course Hopkins doesn't want to drown, so he's flailing and um, kind of weakly gets his way back to like the the edge of the the pond, and they just drag him out. And like, well, you know, you didn't sink, so you, this guess this guy must be a witch. And you know, they don't they don't care about witches. They're just it's mm. just this this is the most um, overt excuse of it. <laughs> like because yeah. they're just utterly dismissive of any there's that there's no witches he they're just like they're gonna take care of this man and, and do this the right way um with the law in their hands you know mm. and so they string him up and hang him hang him for a witch and that's the end of uh r hopkins and then they don't even find Stern. Like Stern's just off with his money. Um, so it sounds like Stern just retired from what yeah. I actually looked up on, on Wikipedia. Yes. He like retired to a farm and then wrote a book. And I'm like, okay. yeah, they they don't have um, any physical historical documents of like Stern's actual fate. He just drops off. So the assumption was that he just had that money and, and made off with it. Mm-hmm um yeah. same same thing with goody um but they do have specific well they have a very clear example of what happened to hopkins and to marjorie and everyone else concerned um but the other two kind of got off scot-free mm-hmm. probably yeah so that's how that went down for mr hopkins hmm. wow excellent it's been actually really interesting to hear the contrasting uh, less sensationalized historical perspective and the obviously cut down and edited for story and film uh, version. And, and um, oh, yeah. and also how uh, how the actual events were taken and then kind of shifted around to uh, be slotted into the film. So mm, like learning yeah. about like oh there was actually a fallout, but it was completely reversed and um. Yeah. Yes. All of yeah. that was very interesting. I was really hoping that Dave's actual fate of Hopkins would result in and then the gallows pulled out an axe and and <laughs> murdered him. Uh, but alas, that was not the case. Nope. Yeah. Dr- no, drowned, drowned and hanged. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, didn't <laughs> I did not really enjoy reading the book as I was reading it just because it was compressed into like a very short space of time and it's a very long yeah. book and there's a lot yeah. of war stuff going on and i had zero uh knowledge of this first civil war like prior to this so yeah i, yeah. I given the time i would have actually wanted to read up on the war first 
like you need yeah. that context for all of this but at least the book provided like a good chunk of it as it went along just took some time to get to it um what i did really enjoy was uh having the extra context to put into the film like that made mm. the experience it's like mm. you need to like read the book then watch the movie like that this is a case yeah. where it's very beneficial um on both sides of that uh, however that's yeah. quite a bit of an investment to do so uh the it's not a case of like the movie being better than the book or the book better than the movie they they need to exist like kind of together uh yeah, yeah. So one, one's Agreed. more sensationalized but um it's compacted where the book could use um some more editing like it could chop out quite a few chapters of just like incidental things that i don't think contributed much to the story um they help you understand mm -hmm. like the larger context but that wasn't like the point of the story so uh yeah yeah together they make a better picture of of uh our our witchfinder general i mm. i agree i agree um i yes. came in i came into the podcast being really really upset with this movie um <laughs> as, as i think i've demonstrated over the course yeah. of this podcast um but with all the context that dave's provided i've 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 grown uh, uh a little warmer towards it i still think it's like because it is once again so myopically focused on these four characters uh, and mm. and just refuses to give any actual context to the main thrust of everything uh it, it feels like like people are doing things but i don't understand their motivations or why they're doing things and now yeah. with all with all of the all of this delicious context i'm like ah yes that makes sense i wish it had been in the movie <laughs> yeah yeah um honestly i overall quite enjoyed the movie but i had compared to you Leonard, probably a decent bit more context on the overall yep. historical period to work yep. with like yeah, I, I, I was, I spent a lot of this movie randomly remembering bits and bobs from horrible histories, uh, <laughs> and it was very helpful indeed to remember all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it was honestly not a bad movie. Vincent Price is a great actor and comes across really well in it. Um, I will say, if you've got sensitive ears, it relies very heavily on actors who are great at screaming. There's a lot of just awful awful human terror like audio wise in this movie so if if you have a hard time listening to that maybe not the best for you but yeah <laughs> near the end of the movie my partner had been bluetooth headphones on came to the door of the bedroom and closed it off from the living room where i was in <laughs> this movie because clearly he yeah. could hear the screaming even mm. through his head, his his headphones. <laughs> yeah, uh, they 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 know to go loud. Um, and yeah, it, it, this is a a little bit of an unusual one for us as a show. Is it doesn't actually have any real mythical monsters. It has the context of witchcraft, which we got to talk about a fair bit, especially with Dave's uh, expanded context on all of that. Yes, um, I. So <laughs> I need to interject <laughs> super fast. There is one yes. witch in the book. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, like real witch. Oh, one yeah. real. Well, we can guess it's one real witch. So when um, Hopkins is chasing after Stern at the very end of the book, mm. trying to get his yes. gold, 
um or his 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 money he runs into a um a little uh it's 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 an encampment and it's i don't i don't think that they're they're not like roma gypsies but they're definitely mm. not part of the local community like they're outcasts for some reason yeah. and they're not local um he just happens upon the it's a small little community a few little tents or something and uh there's a woman sitting outside you know um, breastfeeding her child and i would stirring a cooking pot and he stops and he's because he doesn't care he has a super bad opinion on women and like in general it's it's really bad mm. but um yeah he's like you you know what are you doing here and just it's just a blah 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 it's his he's doing his shtick uh and he sees something's a little off about her, so he's that makes him curious, and so he's like, do, he's doing a lot of leading questions to get her to confess to be a witch, just because that's his job. Um, hmm. And he wants more money. I don't know, but uh, she she starts. He's like, oh, could you can you do this and that? And she's like, yeah. It's like, what about like fortunes? Could you tell fortunes? And she's like, yeah, I can tell. Mm. Would you like me to tell your fortune? Uh, it'll only cost you a little bit. Uh, and he's like, just go ahead. Yeah, sure. Tell me, tell me my my fortune. And so she's like, uh, laying sticks on the edge of the pot and doing some sort of fortune telling thing. It doesn't give us a good explanation of what she's doing, but she's basically doing mm. some sort of scrying. And um, she uh, she's like you should go to it's like Bly or something it's a nearby town. You should go to this town. Um, Stern's there for you. Or he's, he's waiting. You'll, you'll find him there. And he's like, what? Ha <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, what? You, you're a witch, aren't you? And she's like, yeah, don't worry about that. Um, you really need to get to this town. You don't have like a lot of time. And if you hurry, you can catch him still because you're always been too far behind him. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> So he starts like <laughs> flipping out and <laughs> accusing her of like other heresies, and he finds mm. out that her child is from her or it's from her brother, um, but their customs mm. are different. So she's like, "Don't worry about our business; it's none of yours. You know, we handle our own stuff in our community. So just you better get to that town." Mm. And um, he he's like, "Well, yeah. So you, how long are you staying here?" <laughs> like, you got you guys are camped here for a while um i'll be back i'm gonna go get so he's like visibly like shaking because she starts to, she's like mm. um uh she's like master hopkins you need to hurry and she's like giving all the names of all this stuff and he you know he didn't he's never met her he's never seen anything that said anything yeah. to her yeah so she's just laying it all out <laughs> and um as he's leaving uh when he says oh yeah i'll be back for you because you're clearly a witch um She's like, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not rude with that. You don't, you don't have that kind of time. You better hurry. And then she's looking at her like little divination tools, and she's like, you, uh, yeah, you don't have any time at all. <laughs> like, so it's not, it's not time mm. of like that he needs to hurry. It's, it's. She's like foretold his death. So yep. that was the the one witch that appears. Yeah, <laughs> who gets away scot free? <laughs> so <Yes. laughs> he didn't even do his job correctly. Like not yes. even not even once. 
<laughs> that is that is that is both both very funny and also the most upsetting thing of <laughs> I actually found I oh I actually found a witch but she's given me that's perfect that is that is brilliant witch behavior mm. you're an actual witch but you've given me the the object of my search so I must abandon you in order to pursue it congratulations yeah great mm. great I get, I, hey, I guess he did consort with witches. Yes, he did yeah. find the one witch. <laughs> one. Yeah. One witch. Yeah. Oh. So, good lord. Um, so, yeah. Uh, in, in lieu of normal monster stuff, remember, man is the true monster. Because, wow, this was, a, this was a rough look at how things were a few hundred years ago. Um, and I'm sure in a couple hundred years' time, there'll be similar piece on today's world um yeah. <laughs> yes yes uh well uh, we hope mm. say maybe for next time we'll find something that actually has witches in it yeah that'd be <laughs> yeah. good I, i'm always up for a little roll doll yeah <laughs> yeah the, the supernatural is significantly less frightening mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes uh well we hope you've enjoyed uh this uh, probably quite a bit longer than usual episode of our show. Uh, lots to discuss on this one. Uh, very, very good. Um, and Dave, where can people find you? You can find me primarily on Twitter at sentinut underscore plus. It's a, Excellent. It's a wonderful place right now. Um, I, oh, tried yeah. to, I tried to inject a little bit of positivity um, in <laughs> in our last few weeks of ridiculousness. Yeah. So moving forward, it's it's all the positive content. Awesome. Excellent to hear that. Uh, Leonard, where can we find you? People can find me online at twitter.com by searching at Dr. Faust is dead. People can also find my content on YouTube uh, by also searching Dr. Faust is dead. Uh, If you are familiar with the show, you know that I am a video essayist that mainly covers uh, narrative and thematic explorations in games. Uh, And if you are not familiar, you should uh, go check my channel out. I make good stuff, Mm. I think. And you do Cameron. good work. <laughs> and Cameron, yes. where can people find you online? Well, you can find me on Twitter at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. Uh, I will post pictures of cats and nice things because God knows we all need something like that these days. Um, you can also find the show on Twitter at mon underscore demonster. You can always send us feedback, ideas for future episodes, all those kinds of things. We're always happy to hear that. Uh, and I believe our website is www.monsterdeer.monster, if I'm not incorrect. That is correct, sir. Okay, good. Every time I say that, my brain goes, that surely can't be a webpage. That sounds too perfect for us. But it was indeed perfect. Um this one this one's been a great episode i've had lots of fun chatting about all this uh it is nearly 1am so we'll cut it off here thank you very much for listening and goodbye bye-bye goodbye everyone oh quick note everyone that uh is going to look at at cameron's uh twitter uh page when he says that he's posting pictures of cats it is stills from the movie cats so uh (laughs) yes you uh i have the butthole cut (laughs) (laughs) good night everybody